We're reading from John's Gospel, chapter 9. One of my favorite characters, this blind man, he was honest and blunt. Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his, in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said to him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who said, who's, who used to sit and beg? Some said that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which he made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he now can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews has decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ 
would be put out of the synagogue. And that is why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. Well, good day everyone. My name's Scott. So good to be with you this morning. Has anyone here seen Bird Box? No? Yes? No? Couple? Yep. It's a Netflix movie. It came out early this year. It's uh, set in a post-apocalyptic world where are these things that are outside and if you see them with your eyes, you go insane, you go crazy, you go mad. So to protect yourself, you stay indoors, you lock the doors, board up the windows and you don't go outside. But of course it's a movie so there's got to be some kind of complication. Eventually they do have to go outside and they think, well, how are we going to do it? We don't want to see these things. And so they wear blindfolds everywhere, which is why you see the people in the, uh, in the photo there wearing blindfolds. That way you don't see these things, you don't go mad, you stay alive. And it was a movie that caused a, a, a real phenomenon. There, it started a trend called the Bird Box Challenge. Because in real life, people decided to see what they could do with blindfolds on. It started off pretty tame and light. Uh, people put on blindfolds and they try to see if they could close their curtains in their own house, uh, kind of like they do in the movie. But then it moved on to some more stupid things, like this. You can see in the photo there, both of those guys are blindfolded. A- in the video, he does go to kick the ball, and you'll be happy to know it ends pretty well, actually. He kicks a goal. It's quite amazing. It makes me think, are those blindfolds actually real blindfolds or not? But of course, other people, for other people, it didn't end so well. There's a group of people blindfolded walking down the streets of New York City. Uh, one of the people in the group decided it'd be a great idea if he decided to run for a little bit. So he runs, except unfortunately for him, he can't see anything, obviously. So he runs and he falls down the stairs into the subway system in New York. An internet celebrity, an internet celebrity decided it'd be great to do this and get a, a YouTube clip of him doing this. So he did all sorts of things, like driving his car with a blindfold, running into trash cans as he did, like walking around the streets, walking into the middle of the streets with oncoming cars that he couldn't see. And it got too much eventually. Netflix had to issue a statement telling people to stop it. It's just not worth a stint in hospital to get a few more likes on your video. That's what they said, essentially. Because when you can't see... Life can turn to be very dangerous. That's the kind of warning we get from the Bible here this morning too. Jesus is going to ask us, can you see? Sure, you think, you know, my eyes are working, it's fine. Or in some cases like me, my glasses are working. But, but, but do we really perceive what's going on around us? It's a high-stakes kind of question because you think, yeah, sure, I do see. Of course I see. Look, I'm seeing right now. But like we said again, if you're wrong, there's, there's big implications. Because when you can't see, things become dangerous. So this is the question we're wrestling with today. Do you see? Can you see? Are you perceiving things rightly? That's what we're asking this morning. But why don't now we ask God to help us as we do this? Let's pray together. 
God, we thank you for your word that it speaks to us, that we can hear you. We thank you for the time we have now to, to think about what you've said and want to pray and ask for your help. Help us to know what you say. Help me to speak what you're saying, not what I want to say. And Father, we pray that we'd be those who truly do see. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point for today is that Jesus' work is to bring light into the world. Jesus' work is to bring light into the world. You see this in the first seven verses of that passage. Jesus and his disciples are out on a walk. And as they're walking along, they come across a blind man. The disciples aren't sure why he's blind exactly, but they figure it's got something to do with sin. So they ask Jesus. But Jesus completely changes the conversation. He changes it now to a conversation about his work. Look at verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus has work to do. It's daytime, says Jesus. Nighttime is is when he dies. He says, now it's daytime and I've got work to do. I'm the light of the world. I must bring light into this world. But Jesus doesn't just say that that is true about himself. He then shows that it's true too. He gives a physical demonstration that it is true. So he turns to the blind man. And he does some weird stuff like with with spit and with mud. It's the kind of thing that would make you think, this is not going to help the man see. If anything, it's going to make it harder for him to see. But then in verse 7, Jesus tells him, go and wash. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing he is a blind man right his eyes have have never seen the light of day but then he comes into contact with the light of the world he meets jesus and jesus brings him sight jesus gives him light because that's the work that jesus has come to do jesus brings light into the world because jesus is the light of the world which might sound like a funny kind of thing to say until you remember what Jesus has been saying about our world. Throughout John, every now and again, John keeps saying that we live in a world of darkness. If you take a quick look around us, quick look around at the world, you might actually want to disagree with Jesus. Because, fair income, look around, there's lots of good stuff, isn't there? Take a look outside. It's, it's beautiful. We're going to 28 degrees today. Perfect. Beautiful day. Just yesterday, I went up to Stirling, uh, met up with some people there. I had co- I sat, we sat down at a cafe, had coffee, had chocolate, and had a conversation. It was really delightful. It was nice. The world is a good place. We've all had certain things. I'm sure there's been certain things that have happened to you this week, certain experiences that have filled you with joy. We've experienced through our lives the good things that others do to us. And so it can be easy to think, no, 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 our world is not a dark place, is it? But if we're honest, that only accounts for part of our experience, right? Because as much as we do experience and see and take part in the goodness of this world, well, we all know that there is a dark side to life too, don't we? 
in John, darkness means uh, that the truth is abandoned. We live in a world where the truth is abandoned. And that's actually what we see, don't we? And just take a look at the current political debate. It's, it's so divisive. So divisive that we've started to talk about things like alternative facts. So much so that uh, people are even suggesting now we live in a post-truth world. A world where truth doesn't matter so much. But what really does matter is that you agree with what I'm saying to you. I guess in some sense it's easy to target politicians and, and, and media outlets. But, but lies are just the norm across our world. You can see it, for example, in the way that we label things. We use nice words to cover up the truth. It's not adultery. It's a a love affair. It's not killing. It's it's assisted dying. It's, It's dying with dignity. Whatever it is, darkness means we lose truth. And darkness also means we lose life and all the good things that come with life. Just think about it for a moment. That's the kind of world that we live in. Really, it is, isn't it? Where our our, our marriages are prone not to caring and loving and protection, but our marriages are prone to domestic violence. Where where children are, are less and less seen as a blessing from God and we, we, we talk about them in terms of economic bur- the economic burden that they'll bring on us, and so on and so on. And it's not that this stuff is actually new and just for our world today. This is the stuff that was going on in Jesus' time too. Maybe the actual incidents are different, but this kind of thing where, where, there's, uh, where, where the truth is gone and where life and goodness are gone because we live in a world that is dark. It's a dark place, and the casualties are truth and life and goodness. And yet it's into this world, this kind of world, that Jesus comes. And he says, I'm the light of the world. Jesus is saying, I bring truth, I enlighten. Jesus is saying, I bring life and I bring goodness to you. Which means that actually, Jesus is exactly what we need, isn't he? We're in darkness, but... Jesus brings light. Back in um, 2006, I went to the Big Day Out. You know what the Big Day Out is? A big music festival that goes from city to city with all these bands. Uh, it's massive. And for me, this was, this was great. I got to see so many really good bands that day. Great day. But it was in Sydney. It was the middle of summer. And it was one of those days where it got above 35 degrees. And, and there you are. I was crammed a bit close to the front stage. Crammed with around 15,000 other people kind of pushing towards you. No shade. It was hot. That's an understatement. It was hot. I was wearing a pair of jeans that day. And in my jeans, I had the ticket, the paper ticket, cardboard ticket that let me go uh, get into the show. When I walked out that day, I pulled the ticket out of my pocket and it was like it had been through the washing machine. It was just drenched in sweat. It was a hot day. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So there we are. I I was at the stage on, as we're looking at it now, the left-hand side, waiting for the next band to come on. 
Uh, and the event staff did this wonderful thing, right? They, they would grab these hoses, they would turn them on, and then they'd just wave right across the crowd. The cold water came splashing out. It was exactly what we needed. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. In a world that's dark, a world without truth, a world where we mistreat one another, in this kind of world we need light. That's what Jesus brings. There's a pretty common line of thinking that that goes around. Um, It goes something like this. I don't really like all that Jesus stuff. It's just, just so restrictive and... Jesus seems to suck all the fun out of things. All he does is say no to stuff. No drinking, no partying, no sex. No gossiping about your co-workers. No cheating on your tax return. No being mean to that next-door neighbor. No matter how much of a jerk he is, no being mean. Hey, Jesus, come on, you're such a killjoy. I just want a bit of freedom. So in the end, Jesus, I want nothing to do with you. And so Jesus is seen as some kind of unwanted intrusion on my life. He's a party pooper. Even Christians, you know, even Christians can think like this. If only I wasn't a Christian, imagine all the stuff I could do. Wouldn't it be great? Man, Jesus is such a drag on my life. I hope you can see today that the Jesus of the Bible is nothing like that. Because the Jesus of the Bible is exactly what we need. He's not here to take the fun out of life. He's here to bring life and goodness and truth. Jesus doesn't come as a gatecrasher to kill the party. Jesus is that blast of cold water on the stinking summer's day at the music festival. Jesus is exactly what we need. Is that how you think about Jesus? In the first part of the chapter, we met a blind man and Jesus made him see. And now the rest of the chapter plays off this idea of blindness and seeing. But for Jesus here, he's not so much interested in in, in the physical blindness. He's far more interested in, in, in spiritual blindness, spiritual perception. That is, do you recognize the spiritual reality around you? Or are are we actually blind to it all? So, the second point for today, blindness is to see Jesus, to see Jesus work and yet still reject him. In the passage, this is exactly what we see the Pharisees doing, the Jewish leaders, this is what they do. The crowds bring the blind man, or the formerly blind man, to the Pharisees. And he tells the Pharisees what happened, you know, the spit, the mud, the washing, the seeing. It's like for a moment here, the Pharisees have got those front row tickets to see what Jesus has done. They're up close and personal. Here, right in front of them, is the result of Jesus' work. And what do they do? They don't believe a word of it. Look at verse 18. They still, after he told them the story, they still did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight. They think he's making it all up. 
Until that is, they sent for the man's parents. And this guy's parents come and they confirm, yes, indeed, he is our son. And yes, indeed, he has been blind ever since he was born. And so you think, maybe now, well, maybe now the Pharisees will accept, accept what happened. Maybe now they'll begin to perceive something about Jesus, but no. They call the man back in and, and they want him to swear that they'll tell the truth. Then they also tell him what they want him to say. They say, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. See, for them, there's no question. They've already made up their minds. Jesus is a sinner. Just agree with us, mate. No matter what evidence he's put before them, they keep saying no. The blind man here, though, he has a bit of gumption. And he turns to the Pharisee and he says, says, no, 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 no. That's not what I think. And they have a bit of back and forth that gets a bit argy-bargy. But here's how it ends. The Pharisees end by saying to him, Look, mate, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they throw him out. See what the Pharisees are doing here? They see the results of Jesus' work. He's standing in front of them, this blind man. Here he is. He can now see again. But the Pharisees are blind to it. So they just make up whatever excuse they can so they can reject Jesus. That's the heart of spiritual blindness. Seeing what Jesus does, but ignoring it, making an excuse for it, and ultimately rejecting the the one who does it, rejecting Jesus. I actually reckon we see this kind of thing happen all the time. Um, See, there's actually... If you look into it, there's, there's, there's heaps of um, proofs, evidence that, that sit along the Bible that, that show you that what the Bible says about Jesus is actually true. And yet it's ignored, isn't it? It's, people make excuses and ultimately they reject Jesus despite this, this wealth, this abundance of evidence. Here's one example. The reliability of the Bible. We touched on this kind of thing a couple of weeks ago. But is that most people tend to think that the Bible is something you can't trust. I mean, there's lots in there about Jesus, but it was written so long ago. How can we know what was really written down first? Hasn't it changed over time? How could you trust something like that? It's so old. But in fact, the Bible is the most reliable ancient source we have. The New Testament writings, there are more copies of these New Testament writings than any other ancient writing ever. And these copies come so close to when the originals were written, much closer than any other ancient source we have. So even when people have made mistakes in those copies, we have so many of them, we can go back and we can see, oh, the mistake came in here. And none of those mistakes actually change anything. They come because people accidentally skip a line or or, or they spell a word wrongly or something like that. Which means that we can know, friends. We, We can know what was written. We can have it in front of us. We can know what Jesus did and what he said. But that's not how the Bible's treated today. The works of Jesus are there for us to see But excuses are made so that Jesus can be ignored and Jesus can be rejected. Now, you might be here today and at the moment, really, you're not not on board with this whole Jesus thing. And you might be thinking to yourself, gee, this guy's being pretty blunt, pretty direct about it all, isn't he? 
ease up a bit. And I guess in some sense you're right, I am. But, but I just want you to see, this is not really what I'm saying. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus is saying to you, to us here today. I want to make sure we hear that warning, that we don't do what the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders did. Do you see what Jesus is doing and still write him off? Do, do you hear all this stuff about Jesus and make up excuses, reasons why you're not going to believe it? Which is to ask, are you being spiritually blind? That's the question that Jesus is posing to us all today. It's the kind of thing that might make us feel a bit uncomfortable this morning. But you don't want a doctor who's going to hide the truth, do you? You don't want a doctor who's going to sugarcoat the diagnosis and give you the wrong information. You don't want someone who's going to just throw a band-aid over when there's a cancer there. The diagnosis may not be what you want, yes. But Jesus is speaking to us out of love here. He wants us to wrestle with that. Are you spiritually blind? Not because he wants to condemn you, but because Jesus wants to make you see again. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? The whole Jesus thing, you know, I'd believe it if Jesus came back and stood in front of me here today. Or, you know, if I saw the miracles that he did, then, then I'd believe, yeah. It's a really common way of thinking. I've heard stacks of people say that. And in part, I can understand why. Because for us today, often seeing is believing. And yet, people did see the miracles, didn't they? Back in Jesus' day, thousands of people saw the miracles that he did. Even these Pharisees that are here today, they saw the miracles, some of his miracles, but they didn't believe. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Why? Why didn't they believe? Well, Jesus has actually just diagnosed the problem for us. The problem is they're blind. Spiritually, they cannot grasp, they cannot perceive what's in front of them there. So no matter what happens, they're never going to believe. Which begs the question then, how do you get there? How do you get to a point of, of seeing and believing? The third point for the day is that seeing is to come into the light that Jesus brings. If you're following the outline in your uh, leaflet there, you'll notice I've changed the focus of this again. But, but the point three, seeing is to come into the light that Jesus brings. That's the journey that the blind man goes on in this story. When we first met him, this man was physically blind and Jesus healed him. Now he can see, physically speaking. But he still didn't recognize who Jesus was. He was still a spiritually blind man. But throughout the chapter, he goes on a journey. It starts off when the Pharisees ask him who he thought Jesus was. And the man replied, he's a prophet. Then later they ask him again. They want him to say that Jesus is a sinner, but he tells them, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That is, the guy thinks, and maybe he's something else. Prophet, healer. And later on, he even says to the Pharisees that Jesus must be from God. But then after he's thrown out, Jesus finds him. And Jesus asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I might believe in him. 
See, he's still a bit confused at this point. He's not really sure what to make of everything. But then the penny drops. Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And he steps into the light that Jesus brings. Notice it's not... He starts to see the light for himself, but Jesus the light has come and shone light into his life, and he steps into that. He believes, not just the kind of belief where he thinks something new and different with his head, but it's the kind of belief that means he does something with his life as well. He worships. And as I've been reading this chapter through the week, this here, this last little bit, it's the thing that's grabbed me. The thing I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. It's, it's so good. Um, I, I feel like the way that we, the things we see about Jesus here are so compelling. Uh, did you see the way Jesus treats the man? This man is, is just at a low point in his life, right? This is the day of all the days in his life. This is the day that should be full of celebration, right? Amazingly, he can now see this should be the highlight of his life. He's been blind forever, but it's not the highlight, is it? No. Because his parents, they've been too chicken to stand up for him. He's just been thrown out of the synagogue, which means his, his religious life is in tatters. He can't go back to the place of worship. And along with it, his social life has just gone down the toilet too. Now he's a social outcast. This should be a day of celebration, but for him, it's turning to a day of deep sadness. And it's at that moment, it's at that moment that Jesus finds him. Jesus hears what's happened. He seeks the man out. He finds him. I love this part of the chapter. It's the high point here. Because what we're seeing is is Jesus' heart for people. See what he does? He cares. He, He sees the mess. And he comes to this man so that this man can step into the light and have life. I just can't get over here. Jesus' heart for people. Jesus' heart for this man. And you know what? That's Jesus' heart for you too. That's Jesus' heart for you too. If, you, if you're here today and you're not really on board with Jesus, I hope you're beginning to see why Christians might be so pumped about him. Look at the way he treats people. Look at his heart for us. You might be thinking to yourself, but, but he's never done that for me. He's never searched me out. He's never really come to me, but... But friends, of course he actually has. Did you ever think that you might be that's the reason why you might be here today? Because, because Jesus is, has brought you here. Jesus has made it happen. He's put you here so you can hear this and, and, and he's bringing you so that you can hear and know him. He's calling you to step into his light today, to come to him. How do you respond to someone like Jesus? It's got to be thankfulness, doesn't it? It's got to be thankfulness. Uh, it's, it's admitting, yeah, I did live in darkness and, and I was blind. I ignored the truth about you, Jesus. I made excuses to reject you and I'm sorry. But I don't want to do that anymore. Please forgive me. I want to see. Help me see. Thank you for bringing light into my life. Help me walk in that light from now on. Do you want to do that today? 
If you do, talk to someone, right? Grab me afterwards. Find Barb, who's been up here. Talk to the person you came with. And we'd, we'd, be, we'd be thrilled to be with you as you take those first steps walking into Jesus' light. Don't you want to do that today? And perhaps you are here today and you already believe in Jesus. You know this about Jesus already. You know his heart for you. Well, I hope today you just get a little glimpse of seeing that afresh, seeing it all over again. Because this is what Jesus has done for you. In the mess of life, he's sought you out and found you. In the darkness of this world, he's come to give you light, to give you truth and life and goodness. Be pumped, guys. Be excited. Be grateful. I think the most famous Christian song is Amazing Grace. It's it's probably the Christian song that's most well-known across the world. Amazing Grace. And it just drips with these ideas in it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved wretch like me. Because we were once lost, but we're found now, aren't we? We were once blind, but because of Jesus we see. Why don't we pray and say thanks so much to God for this. Pray with me. Our great God in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he's the one that brings light, truth, life and goodness into this world. Father, we recognize our own blindness and praise you for giving us light and life through Jesus. So now, Father, we pray that our hearts would be thrilled with this. Our hearts, We pray our hearts would rejoice with this. That even as we walk through deep sadness, that this reality would control the way we think and act and live. That in the mess of life, Jesus has found us. That he's sought us. That his heart has been to care for us and to love us and to bring us into the light. Thank you so much, God. We pray that thanks would drip off our lips, off our lips, and and in our lives all this week. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen.